So it's after midnight here and after what's been one of the craziest news breaking cycles that I can remember in my entire lifetime, not just in in the entirety of the time that I have been active in politics. Obviously, Politico reported on a draft of a majority opinion written by the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. This is the draft opinion in response to Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. This is what we've been waiting for since, I, I want to say since the oral arguments happened in December, because that's when we were talking about what will the Supreme Court do? How will they rule? Will they overturn Roe? Will they uphold Roe? Will they, will they thread this needle in a narrow way that upholds the law but doesn't overturn Roe v. Wade? Well, this draft opinion was leaked and there's so much to say and so much to think about this that I, I, I don't know about you, but I actually feel like out of my own body. This is what we've been fighting for for literally decades. The pro-life cause I've been fighting for this since I was 15 years old. This is 17 years in the making, and I'm not even one of the OGs who have been fighting for the pro-life cause since since before the Supreme Court ruled on Roe v. Wade. So let's let's talk about this because there is much to be said. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show. So let's start about the let's start with the least important part of this story, which is the leak. The the leak. This is this has never happened. There's there's zero precedent. I was talking to a good friend of mine this evening, a constitutional law attorney who was um, a, a clerk on on high level federal courts, and he was saying that there is just there is zero precedent for a the draft of a majority opinion. This means that the justices have essentially already voted on whether they're going to uphold Roe v. Wade or not. It hasn't been published yet. We expected it to be June or July. But they, they, the majority opinion was written by Justice Alito. It's 98 pages. You can, you can read it. This isn't in its final form. So I guess theoretically, the justices could change their minds um, before they publish this final opinion. But it, the question is, are they going to change their minds? And it, I mean, they, according to the political article, article even, they haven't changed. Nobody's changed their vote since February. So these five justices who are on this majority opinion that would overturn Roe v. Wade, Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. Um, we don't know what Roberts, where Roberts is on this. We don't know if he has a concurrent opinion that also overturns Roe, whether he has joined the dissent, whether he has his own dissent. We don't know where he is. Um, but these five justices have not changed their vote since, since February. So this is an incredible violation of norms. Let's just start here. Let's start here. So the left tells us that Trump's mean tweets were a threat to our democracy, right? He got kicked off of Twitter for that. And yet they, they leak and a draft majority of op opinion. Why would they leak this? Well, the obvious reason for this is they would leak this to elicit threats from the left. They, they know that leaking this will cause death threats and threats to physical safety to these justices, these five justices. They do this on purpose. I mean, this is actually worse than what the Washington Post did to libs of TikTok, worse than Taylor Lawrence from the Washington Post releasing, doxing libs of TikTok. The reason the Washington Post did that was because they knew that it would cause libs of TikTok to be in physical danger, and they hoped that that would intimidate her enough to be quiet, to silence her. This is the same sort of thing. This is a, a staffer and probably a Sotomayor staffer who leaked this majority opinion in order to elicit the mob. I mean, if you think that Black Lives Matter, the summer of rage was bad, just wait until these pro-borts take to the street. The, the, these people, I mean, I, I tweeted out 
at the very beginning, I said, listen, pray for Justice Alito, Justice Gorsuch, Justice Thomas, Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, and pray for their families because they're going to need it. And the amount of death threats that have filtered through my Twitter mentions uh, towards the justices, towards pro-lifers, towards me, shows you exactly how violent these people are are going to be. So the, the point of all of this is that the only reason, the only reason, or one of the reasons, the primary reason to leak something like this is to intimidate and to scare in order to silence. But the left doesn't want you to think about the other reason why this was leaked. The other reason is equally important. And I want to talk about that. I like cozy earth sheets so much that they are on my bed at my house right now. So let me ask you a question. How did you sleep last night? If you answered this question, well, not so great or just okay, or don't ask then you are not alone. One out of three Americans report being sleep deprived and your sheets could be the problem. That's why I like Cozy Earth sheets. The wrong sheets can trap body heat, leaving you boiling one minute and freezing the next. There is a solution though, Cozy Earth sheets. They are the softest, most luxurious and best temperature regulating sheets on the planet. It's like sleeping on a cloud, which makes sense because they're made from bamboo, which allows Cozy Earth sheets to breathe. So you sleep at the perfect temperature all year round. They offer a 100-night sleep trial, which means you have up to 100 nights to sleep on it, wash it, try it out. If you're not completely in love, just send it back for a full refund. You can now save 35% on Cozy Earth Bamboo Bedding. 35% if you use my URL. You have to use my URL. It's CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. You have to hurry because this offer ends soon. It's CozyEarth.com slash liz 35, cozyearth.com slash L-I-Z-3-5 for 35% off Cozy Earth Bamboo Bedding. I love it, and I think that you will too. Cozyearth.com slash Liz35. Okay, so there's the obvious. The obvious reason that this leak happened was um, to intimidate to intimidate you, these justices, to, to cause them to be in physical danger. And I think the hope by these leftists was that this would actually prompt maybe some of the swing justices who we weren't sure how they would vote to maybe change their vote, to be so angry that their opinion was released before it was finalized that in an effort to, I don't know, prove the leak wrong, they actually changed their vote. So I, I, I think that was maybe the primary reason that this leak happened. But the other reason that this leak happened um, is to pressure Congress to push a far leftist abortion agenda before the midterms. I'm talking about abolishing the filibuster in the Senate. I'm talking about codifying Roe v. Wade into law versus judicial fiat, which is where it lived before, and to pack the Supreme Court. So last night, after this news broke, Senator Amy Klobuchar went on TV and did exactly that. She called for the filibuster to be eliminated. Senator Amy Klobuchar is supposed to be like moderate on the left. She's not supposed to be the furthest of the far left. She always painted herself on that debate stage as the common sense alternative to Bernie Sanders. She's calling for the filibuster to be eliminated. Senator Markey, or Senator Markey, this is, let me read this tweet. Hold on, let me bring this tweet up. This is so bananas. This is a US senator, a Democrat. This is what he said. Senator Ed Markey said, a stolen illegitimate and far-right Supreme Court majority appears set to destroy the right to abortion, an essential right which protects the health, safety, and freedom of millions of Americans. There is no other recourse, he says. We must expand the court. <laughs> I read this and I thought, oh, okay, so we're not allowed to say anything about the integrity of, or lack thereof of the 2020 presidential election, but this sitting United States senator is allowed to say a stolen, illegitimate, and far-right Supreme Court 
appears set to destroy the right to abortion. There is no right to abortion in the Constitution. We all know that. An essential right which protects the health, safety, and freedom of millions of Americans. Which millions of Americans are you talking about, Senator? Clearly not the millions of Americans whose lives have been snuffed out in their mother's womb thanks to Roe v. Wade. But of course, the only recourse, he says, is to pack the Supreme Court, to make it a political body that sways with whatever president is in power and can put the most justices on the Supreme Court. This would eliminate the judiciary as, as, as this, this third branch of government, the separate but equal branch that serves to balance the other branches. It would destroy the judiciary. This is what the Democrats want. They want to abolish the filibuster. Just ask Senator Amy Klobuchar. They want to pack the Supreme Court. And they want to make Roe v. Wade weighed the law legislatively. And Bernie Sanders is pushing this. So it's almost like there's a concerted effort, an immediate concerted effort on the left, among leftist senators, to push this very far left abortion agenda. And why now? Why now? Well, perhaps it's because they know they're going to get slaughtered in the midterm elections. They're going to lose the House, hopefully lose the Senate, and completely going to completely neuter Joe Biden and the entire radical leftist agenda, and they're scared. So they want to, right now, they want to put pressure on maybe some of the weaker, the, the waffling, middling Democratic senators like Cinema and Manchin. Maybe they want to pressure Cinema and Manchin to abolish the filibuster or to help codify Roe v. Wade. And the, the, legislative, or the legislative effort that they're making, they want to codify abortion into law um, with a bill called the Women's Health Protection Act. The Women's Health Protection Act, uh, a horrible euphemism. What's worse than calling abortion healthcare or women's health? These same people, by the way, can't even tell us what a woman is, but they tell us that rescinding abortion is an assault on women's health. Okay, can't have that both ways. The Women's Health Protection Act would allow abortion for any reason through nine months of pregnancy, and it would make it federal law. This is what the left wants to happen. This is the second reason why this leak happened. The first reason the leak happened was to intimidate the justices to try to, to try to pressure or coerce, really threaten the justices into changing their vote. And the second reason is to put pressure on Congress to enact this very far left, very radical left um, abortion agenda. And it's worth noting, by the way, that the, the only people in our country who want this very extreme abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy for any reason, abortion agenda, are these liberal politicians. If you poll the American people, they don't want abortion to be unrestricted. Democrats and Republicans, pro-life and pro-abortion people want abortion to be illegal in the second trimester and the third trimester. They want abortion highly restricted. It's only their politicians who stand to gain money and power by an unrestricted abortion agenda who want an unrestricted abortion agenda. But again, we all know that. We all know that. It's also, it's also interesting. So I have been quite unsure about how Amy Coney Barrett would rule on this, on this topic. I, when she was first nominated by President Trump and went through a confirmation hearing, I was like, yes, Amy Coney Barrett is exactly what we need on the Supreme Court. She's basically because she's Orthodox Catholic. She didn't have a lot of judicial record to analyze, but it seemed that she might have been conservative. And some of her rulings since she's been on the Supreme Court have been disappointing. She's, I guess, put precedent on a higher pedestal than the Constitution, which I absolutely hate that jurisprudence. But think about this for a second. If Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the notorious RBG, as the left calls her, if she had retired when maybe she should have retired instead of trying to serve until, well, literally her last day, 
which is for her own legacy, not because she thought she could render a good service because she was very, very ill. If she had retired when she maybe ought to have retired, this decision, this ruling, might have actually been a pro-abortion ruling. It might have actually upheld Roe v. Wade instead of overturning Roe v. Wade. So the very pro-abortion Ruth Bader Ginsburg might have been instrumental in overturning Roe v. Wade. Like how absolutely bananas is that? But I, I want to go back for a second and talk about this staffer. This, and I, I'm assuming it's a staffer who leaked this, a clerk at the Supreme Court who leaked this draft majority opinion because none of the justices, I, uh, none of the justices would be so idiotic as to do this, even the very radical leftist ones. I'm sure this is like a 19 or a 20 year old who thinks of himself as a hero, you know, violating norms just to save our democracy, just like this, this, this epitome of a moron. And when I say it's probably a Sotomayor staffer, um, Matt Wolking has the most interesting theory about who this is. This is what, this is what he tweeted. This makes perfect sense to me. I, I would actually bet money that Matt Wilking is absolutely correct about who this is and that we will find out that this is the truth in the coming days. This is what Matt tweeted. He said, a person called Amit Jain clerks for Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor. Okay. As a Yale student, Matt says, Jain blasted Yale for supporting Brett Kavanaugh's nomination. Okay. So that means that this individual is already, already political, right? Matt goes, Jane was quoted in a 2017 Politico piece by Josh Gerstein. Today, it was Gerstein who published the draft Supreme Court opinion on Roe. Like, how nuts is that? How nuts is that? As I said, I, I, would, bet, I would bet money. I will bet any one of you money that this is who it is. Um, probably, I mean, I will stand by 100% that it's a Sotomayor staffer, but I bet it's this person. And this person's already being called a hero by the left. This is, this is what um, Brian Fallon, Brian Fallon is a notorious pro-abortion individual on Twitter. Let me see what his actual, his actual title is. Um, he's the executive director of Demand Justice, right? He's a former, um, former U.S. Senate Justice Department Clinton campaign worker. This is what he said. He said, is a brave clerk taking this unprecedented step of leaking a draft opinion to warn the country what's coming in a last-ditch Hail Mary attempt to see if the public response might cause the court to reconsider? How chilling of language is that? I mean, I'm going to read this again. Is a brave clerk taking this unprecedented step of leaking a draft opinion to warn the country what's coming in a last-ditch Hail Mary attempt to see if the public response might cause the court to reconsider? That is the most euphemistic, creepy language that I've ever, ever heard. In, in other words, what, he, what he's actually saying is, did a radical leftist, yes, leak a draft opinion, unprecedented, we agree on that, to prompt leftist riots, which we're already seeing outside the Supreme Court, in order to threaten the justices' safety in an effort to pressure them to feel like they have to change their votes to protect their spouses and their children and their own lives. This is the radical left. If you expected anything less from them, then you haven't been paying attention. Because think about the context of this. It's so easy to focus on the leak because the leak is unprecedented, because the leak is a deliberate political tactic, which was obviously coordinated at some level based on the response, the coordinated response from leftist senators, sitting U.S. senators calling to abolish the filibuster, to codify Roe v. Wade, to pack the Supreme Court, all in the same evening. But the leak, is a distraction from what this actually means. I mean, sitting here, I said this at the beginning, but sitting here, I literally feel like this, this out-of-body experience because if we are 
so fortunate to be part of the post-Roe generation. And even that, in a sense, sounds trite because let me just take you on this journey of what my where my mind has been this evening. So when I first saw this tweet, when I, I actually saw this as a tweet, believe it or not. When I first saw this as a tweet, I saw it from The Blaze before I even saw the political article. And I texted it to my producer and I actually said, well, this seems kind of weird that this tweet isn't accompanied by an article or anything else, that I just saw the tweet. And obviously, before he even had a chance to respond, I saw the political piece and <laughs> the whole thing came to fruition. But my, my first reaction to this was, I don't believe this. I, I, I don't think that this is true. I don't think this is, is going to happen. I, I don't think this is a real draft because of the enormity of, of what it is. And what it is, is so often, even pro-lifers like myself don't talk a lot about abortion. You could probably count how many times we've, how many times we've discussed abortion on this show, and it's a fractional number. It's, it's a very small number. It's probably under 5% of the episodes I talk about abortion, even though I think that the right to life is the fundamental right. Without the right to life, all other rights become obsolete. And abortion is the killing of an unborn life. I mean, this is the human rights abuse of our lifetime. And it, it, it's, it's what I call my pet topic. It's the topic that I'm most passionate about. It's the topic where I think the fight between good and evil at, at the physical, the moral, and the spiritual level comes to fruition. And if I could, I would talk about abortion in every single episode. I would focus a lot more time than I do talking about abortion. And the reason that I don't is because people don't like to hear about it. Now, now hear me out with what, what I'm saying here. People don't like to hear about it. And the people who don't like to hear about it are actually pro-lifers. And I understand this. Pro-lifers don't like to talk about it because we understand or don't like to hear about it all the time because we actually understand the what it is of the abortion procedure. We understand that a life begins at conception and that's a fully, it's, it's a fully human child in the mother's womb. And then the abortion procedure either su essentially suffocates, it deprives the child of nutrients, it pulls the child apart limb from limb, it injects poison into the baby's heart to induce a heart attack, or it crushes the baby's skull and sucks out the brain. And I say these words, again, feeling somewhat outside of my body because it's really hard to fathom that that happens so often in our nation, that thousands of times a day, little babies are killed for convenience. And that we have allowed this for decades to happen in our country. That over 60 million babies, as beautiful as my daughter, have been killed. And the leak, the leak is a distraction from the enormity of what this is. That if our work, decades of prayer and compassion and legislative activity and PR in a sense, trying to talk to people, discuss with people, change people's hearts and minds, reach out to women in crisis pregnancies, reach out to fathers and encourage them in active fatherhood to humanize these babies and love them and elevate them to the position of value that they hold in our society. This, it, it all comes down to this. 
just like these nine justices, different justices, but in the same positions, with a stroke of the pen, took away the right to life for those 60 million babies. These justices are on the verge of restoring that right, of saving these children. And you see what we're up against when you see the reaction of the left. You see, I don't even know how to describe it aside from you see this battle between life and death. The actual spiritual battle between good and evil taking place in our politics. When you see the entire radical left, no, no, hold, no holds bar, just dropping everything and doing a full court press for abortion. And this, this is, like I said, the pro-life movement, the pro-life cause, protecting these babies was the reason that I got involved in politics. This was the first, the first policy, the first thing where I thought, this is injustice. This cannot be. We, and if it is, we have to stop it. We have to fight for these people. That was 17 years ago. Maybe you're listening and you say 17 years. I've been fighting for 30 years. I've been fighting for 40 years. I've dedicated my life to this. This is what we're, this is what we're on the cusp of. And if you're Christian, like I am, then you zoom out and look at our nation and you think, how can God bless a nation? or continue to bless a nation, because I believe God did bless our nation at the beginning. How can God continue to bless a nation that slaughters their children? How can God bless a nation that perpetually celebrates child sacrifice? We can't win as long as abortion is legal. And I'm not just talking about the legislative level. I'm talking about the reason that we institute government. The reason that we institute government in the way that we did in our country was to protect people and to recognize that God gave us rights like life, liberty, and property, and that a government has no authority to take those rights away, and that the purpose of that government is to protect people from violation of those rights. And we can't win, meaning a nation with this governmental structure can't survive if we systemically violate one of those core tenets, if we systemically use a government to violate the right to life. And th this has been part of my, my prayers for our country for a long time because I recognize this. I recognize that God cannot and will not continue to bless us if we allow this. And then I think about those babies as much as I can. And I will, I will admit to you that during my pregnancy with my daughter, when I'd go in for an ultrasound and I'd see, I'd see her on the screen, I didn't have a reaction the way that some women describe it, where you see that baby and you become more 
impassioned about the fight. I saw her on that screen, saw her little fingers and toes, saw her swimming around, heard her little heartbeat each and every time, and it made it harder for me to fight against abortion. It made it harder because it made it more real. Because I knew what I felt for her when she was so tiny, when she was inside, when she was vulnerable to what the left would call my choice. And it made it harder for me to watch videos like David Delayden's. It made it harder for me to see the graphic imagery that we see that some pro-lifers hold up. It didn't make me feel more impassioned to be a part of that. It made me feel that it was, well, more difficult because I couldn't wrap my mind around the pain and the suffering and the evil and the brokenness that abortion is. That's what we're seeing tonight. That's why a tweet like the tweet that I sent out that just says, pray for Justice Thomas, Justice Alito, Justice Gorsuch, Justice Kavanaugh, and Justice Amy Coney Barrett and their families. It's why that tweet not only went viral, but why the left chose that tweet of all the tweets. There wasn't one about babies that went viral, not one about abortion, not one about the Supreme Court, not one about the leak, but about praying for these individuals. It's why the leftists target them. It's why the rioters are going to threaten them, why they're going to be in physical danger. Because this is a fight, not just at the legislative level, not just at the state level, not just, not just at the federal level, not at a governmental level. This is a much bigger fight than that. And I don't, I don't know a better way to describe this. I'm, I'm sitting here, as I said, it's past midnight. We've watched this unfold for several hours. We've seen the draft opinion be authenticated. At first, like I said, I, I had skepticism, as you know, <laughs> me, skeptical of whether this was real or whether it was not real. It's been authenticated. It is real. It's not the final version, but the votes of those five, those five majority, those five who have joined this majority have not changed since February, according to Politico. The Supreme Court shouldn't wait until June or July. They absolutely should not wait. They owe it to the American people on, on, on both sides, pro-abortion and pro-life. But really, for the good of our country, they owe us this ruling now. They should issue this ruling immediately. And they shouldn't focus on the leak. The leak is something that can happen secondarily. And it, and it should, by the way. We should focus on that. Whoever this staffer, whether it's this individual that, that we talked about before or whether it's someone else, they should investigate. They should figure out who did it. And then they should prosecute that individual to the fullest extent of the law for theft of government property. It is a key part of the judiciary this, this trust, this privacy, where they can debate, they can, they, can, they can vote, they can write, they can talk freely without worrying about what they're creating, their rulings, their conversations, their thoughts, without that being leaked, without it becoming political. It's a key part of the judiciary. And so that, that should be investigated, and the person who leaked that should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law but we shouldn't lose sight in our interest over kind of a salacious story, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of a juicy story. Someone, some, some rogue staffer leaks this months ahead of time. It's going to be the most consequential Supreme Court ruling of our lifetime. We shouldn't lose sight of what it means. 
We're not, we don't, there'll be plenty of time to talk about what it means. There'll be plenty of time to talk about sending it back to the states, plenty of time to talk about how pro-lifers better be ready at a state level, especially red staters, better be ready at at the state level to uh, fight against this influx of blue money that's going to flood their states, flood their states trying to make abortion legal in those states. There's plenty of time to talk about that. There's plenty of time to debunk the lies the left is telling, whether it's about coat hanger abortions, whether it's the tired old tropes about women needing abortion to be successful. There's plenty of time for all of that. That's not what today is about. Today is recognizing the enormity of what we're facing in our country, recognizing that 245 years ago, Thomas Jefferson penned the words that we all know by heart, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with unalienable rights among these, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And for 245 years, we have been striving to fulfill this promise to our country, to our families, to our communities, to our people. 245 years. It took us 100 years before we fulfilled this promise to Black people in our nation. It took us 150 years to fulfill this promise to women in our nation. It has taken us the entirety of the existence of our country. 245 years we have been, it has taken us to fulfill this promise in its entirety to all people, all people who are endowed with this right to life, liberty, and to pursue happiness. 245 years we've been striving and I, I, I sit here and I talk for a living and I'm, I'm speechless because we might be the generation, the first generation to lay claim to fulfilling this promise, to actually be able to say, all people in our country are endowed with this right protected by government to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This goes so far above and beyond anything that we have ever talked about on this show, ever. This is, this is unbelievable. This is monumental. This is This is why our nation is exceptional, because for 245 years, we have continued to strive to fulfill this promise. And we continue to do so in the face of adversity. We continue to do so in times when it doesn't seem likely. We continue to do so until it is done. Until we can sit here and we can say, this is the final frontier. This, this is a phrase of Kristen Hawkins at Students for Life. This is the final frontier. This is, this is the final fight for freedom to restore the right of the unborn as was promised to them in our founding documents. This is, this is the reality of what the founders envisioned for our country. And we are the first people. I mean, feel the chills go up and down your arm. We are the first people to actually experience what our country was created to be. We are the first generation to say this is what the founders intended. This is what America is. This is what our ancestors fought a war over. This is the fulfillment. of this unheard of experiment 
where natural rights were put first, were acknowledged as being first from God, and government was given no authority to take those away. Government was only endowed with the power to protect those rights. We are the first to actually live to the fullest extent the American experiment. I like ExpressVPN because it keeps me and my family safe from hackers on the internet, but I also like ExpressVPN because with it, I get access to a whole lot more content on Netflix. Here's what I mean. Let me explain with an analogy. Watching Netflix without using ExpressVPN is like paying for a gym membership, but only being able to use the treadmill. Well, who wants to do that? You're not getting the full opportunity. You've been limited. But on the internet, if you use ExpressVPN, it helps you unblock content on Netflix. See the analogy? Now you get to use the whole gym. Because ExpressVPN lets you change your online location so you can control where you want Netflix to think you are located. They have almost 100 different server locations so you can gain access to thousands of new shows. This works with many other streaming services too, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, and more. It's also super easy to use. You just open the app, select a location, tap one button to connect, and refresh the page to access the geo-restricted show that you watched. So be smart. Stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash Liz. You have to use my link, expressvpn.com slash Liz, if you want to get a really good deal, an extra three months free of ExpressVPN. That's expressvpn.com slash Liz for an extra three months free, expressvpn.com slash Liz. Okay, so Elizabeth Warren is freaking out right now. Let me read you this tweet. Let me open this tweet. This, um, I mean, this actually did make me laugh a little bit. Elizabeth Warren tweeted... An extremist Supreme Court is poised to overturn Roe v. Wade and impose its far-right, unpopular views on the entire country. It's time for millions who support the Constitution and abortion rights to stand up and make their voices heard. We are not going back, not ever. So <laughs> I read this and I thought, okay, why was President Trump kicked off of Twitter? He was kicked off of Twitter in, what, the day or two after January 6th because, um, because the left accused him of inciting an insurrection because at that rally on January 6th, President Trump said that his supporters should peacefully and powerfully protest outside of the Capitol. Peacefully and powerfully. Well, Twitter said that that was inciting an insurrection because, you know, he was telling them to dissent from the election results. What is this tweet from Elizabeth Warren if this is not inciting an insurrection? The millions who support the Constitution and abortion rights to stand up and make their voices heard, we are not going back, not ever. So Trump's was inciting an insurrection, but Elizabeth Warren's is just fine. Is that how it's going to work here? I see. I see. That's how it's going to work. She is freaking out because she is a radical leftist who wants abortion on demand, which is counter to popular opinion um, across the country. We already talked about that. There's plenty of time to talk about that. This did make me, it gave me an LOL when I read this, but let's play by her rules for a second. Elizabeth Warren, if there's a single pro-lifer who is hurt on the steps of the Supreme Court, if there is anybody who is harassed, and you can look out there right now, there's violence happening right now on the steps of the Supreme Court, that is on you. You are responsible for that because you told people, stand up, make your voices heard. You're not going back, not ever, you said. Play by your own rules. You are responsible for what you incite. You are inciting an insurrection. This cannot be tolerated. This this is so monumental, it defies verbal explanation, or at least it defies my verbal explanation. This is, this is the biggest thing politically that I can remember happening that has ever happened 
in my lifetime. It's one of the biggest things that's ever happened in our nation. I was actually going to spend the week talking about the Disinformation Governance Board and Nina Jenkowitz, um, who Mayorkas appointed to be the czar of disinformation. And we will talk about that this week because the leftists, make no mistake, they are not getting a pass on being the ministry of truth just because this opinion was leaked. So politically convenient timing for them. They're not going to get a pass. We are going to be here the whole week. We're going to be talking about all of this as it unfolds. This is going to be a crazy week. This is going to be uh, this is going to be absolutely nuts as this unfolds. And we're going to be here uh, for it. You can join me over on Locals, lizwheelershow.com slash Locals um, to spend time with me as this unfolds. Um, otherwise, tune in tomorrow. Tune in tomorrow because boy, oh boy, this is, this is not a fight that is over. This is a fight that is just beginning. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.